you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. of the Half Step Pod. I am your co-host, Connor Lane, and across from me, per usual, Grant Fisher. Grant, how you doing? Doing great, man. Uh, another great week at altitude. Um, another really solid week of training. Um, it's still snowing up here, so that's a little annoying at times, but um, better weather ahead, more training ahead, uh, hopefully some races ahead, so lots of things to look forward to. Still snowing. It's almost May. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what happens when you come to the mountains. We're staying above 8,000 feet, so it's kind of with the territory. Although, I, I mean, I, I haven't been on the team for too long, but apparently this is one of the earliest times we've gone up to a, a spring altitude camp. So um, normally we would go up like late April or May even, um, but I mean, we're three weeks in at this point. So um, yeah, we went up. April 5th, I believe. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been interesting. Definitely feels like winter some days. <laughs> you pack, did you pack correctly? We were talking about what you were going to pack and we didn't get beyond like <laughs> running clothes. Do you have like enough warm clothes? I feel like your mother, but do you have enough warm clothes? Yeah, actually. Um, yeah. Running clothes definitely dominated my suitcase. Um, you know, the, the ideal, thing to pack for these camps is something you can run in and kind of hang out in um Mm. anything that has a double use is always nice so um you know you're living out of a suitcase essentially though still so um have to do laundry a lot um but you know it is what it is we're technically we're on a business trip up here to run um so and it's not like there's a ton of places to go either um like i'm I'm fully vaccinated and stuff, but I'm still not trying to like go down to Salt Lake to like go to all these restaurants or like into downtown Park City to like do all that stuff either. Um, especially with the trials coming up, just don't want to risk too much. Well, yeah. And like, I mean, in a normal year, I feel like besides restaurants, there wouldn't be much going down into town like <laughs> weeknights or weekend nights anyway with the trials coming. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> no, Barman we, does we wouldn't things, be. But... We wouldn't be bar hopping or hitting the clubs too much, um, at least in my experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, there'll be time for that after, for sure. Of course, you heard it here first. Grant's hitting the town <laughs> night after hope for the <laughs> Olympic Games. Uh, no, that's good. Did you have anything specific come up uh, workout-wise? Obviously, two workouts last week. Training-wise, like any big things you want to hit on that we can reveal uh, to me and the people? <laughs> Yeah, man, we had um, yeah two solid workouts. Um, I worked out Tuesday and Friday. Um, Tuesday was a really good session. We did a lot of stuff at race pace. Um, so honestly, when I first joined the team, I really, really struggled at that stuff. Um, my training in college, I think we've touched on this before. We often did like longer aerobic stuff, um, technically probably more like it half marathon to marathon ish pace. 
Um, not that I would have run one in college, but that's probably around the paces that they were. And then lots of stuff like quicker. So like strides or 200s at like 800 pace, mile pace, stuff like that. So um, it wasn't all that common that we hit stuff in college at 5K goal pace um, for extended periods of time or or 10K goal pace, uh, maybe a little 10K, but 1500 and 5K, we wouldn't hit it as much. Um, but we were still still able to race really well off of it, um, that polarized training system. So coming into the pro scene, um, Jerry has us do a lot more of that specific pace, race pace stuff. And it was something I really, really struggled with, um, especially at altitude camps. So um, was able to, to check the box there on Tuesday, get that stuff done. Um, felt good to get another altitude workout in the bag. Um, and it feels good, you know, like it really does feel like I'm getting better each day up here. Um, getting stronger, a little more, uh, older, a little more mature, like a little more able to handle some of these workouts. And, um, especially with the altitude thing, I do feel like I've responded quicker to altitude each camp I've been up. Um, especially this one, I just feel like before I would just hit a wall and just blow up, but now I can kind of push through that line a little bit and just kind of work just before I blow up, if that makes sense. Um, and maybe that's an experience thing. Maybe that's like a physiological thing. I'm not really sure. It's probably a combination, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, probably a combination. Yeah. But yeah, that was Tuesday's workout. Friday's workout, we did some speedy stuff. Um, pretty fun. Uh, you know, some some quarters in there, some 200s in there. Crank it down pretty quickly. Um, set a uh, little 400 PR in there. Um, so I, I was happy with that. Um, <laughs> for, for me, my workout and like, I guess, open PR would be a 51. So I ran a 51. Uh, in the workout on Friday. So that felt good. Um, so yeah, it feels good. I feel like I'm, I'm very well-rounded right now. Nice. Yeah. Another solid week. Did the 51 feel good or did it feel good afterwards? <laughs> it was, it was hard. Um, I mean, that was in the middle of the workout, so we still had stuff before and after that. Ooh. Um, but yeah, it was good. Um, but you know, it, it's interesting cause there's guys on my teams that, that, that can run, you know, 49, um, and we're running like 50 points and stuff in that workout. So, um, obviously we were doing stuff off of like, or I guess not obviously, but we were doing stuff off longer rest. So we were able to run it quite a bit quicker. Um, but always good to kind of just touch that speed stuff. Um, yeah. Am I going to be closing in 51 for a 10 K? Probably not, but, yes. um, just, just feeling that, uh, that efficiency at faster paces and knowing that, I can go that quick. It, it is a confidence boost. Nice. Dude, that, that's exciting. 51, dude, that's, that's not being posted anywhere else. You're not, you're not hearing <laughs> 51, 400. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll leave the context out because that might give away too much, but yeah, that, that was one split. <laughs> I'm sure it was hard, but let him think it was just the rest of the workout was also just so, <laughs> and the 50. <Yeah. laughs> I'm sure it was challenging, but yeah, it's just the hardest thing ever. And additionally, 51 mid-workout kind of vibe. You shouldn't have even said long rest. It's already... Uh, it was long rest, I'll, I'll be honest. Eh? It's, not, it's not like we were doing off 30 seconds or something. <laughs> That'd be ambitious. I uh, I realized I didn't give any sort of um, table of contents for what we're going to do today. 
Uh, we were going to go over your little week. We maybe we're going to touch on mine and then we were going to, uh, oh, I wanted to talk about the giveaway a little bit, uh, what we're going to do logistically with that. And then I wanted to, there was a lot of racing this weekend and, uh, I wanted to talk about broadcasts of track and field, um, and, and maybe some, some potential little ways that, you know, us as, as runners and, you know, also as fans of track and field, like knowledgeable fans of the sport would, would think about making them better like little fixes we could see here and there and then for me i also have a couple that are probably just irrational expectations but <laughs> but things things you throw in there that hey man if, if this was if i was in charge of all this and could figure out how to do it this is what i would do so that's kind of our plan we might also hit like a little mini flashback on on the back end we were sending some videos back and forth today of some races but we'll, we'll keep that vague for now because i'm not sure what our time will be at and we don't want to run too long how's how's all that sound on your end Hey, that works for me, man. Nice, nice. So, yeah, I guess we kind of hit, is there anything else? Did you ever watch um, Godzilla vs. Kong? <laughs> no, I never watched that, but I watched um, I watched Mortal Kombat the other night. That feels uh, like the, the same guys. movie. Yeah, yeah, probably the same style. Um, yeah, Mortal Kombat, man. Um, fight scenes were super entertaining, very gory. Um, so if you're not into that, I wouldn't watch it. Um, the dialogue was atrocious, but... You know, that's what, that's kind of what you'd expect. <laughs> yeah, don't don't watch for this story. Yeah, it was an entertaining movie. It was kind of like a watch once and kind of that's it. Maybe a good plane movie. Although I don't know how the gore would do on the plane. That that might be kind of... Gotta have your own row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. D- DJ is... I mean, I, we were FaceTiming you. DJ is really excited and really wants to watch it, man. That's that he saw it on on like the ad pop up and and he was like that we need to watch that tonight and then we didn't but we're going to <laughs> yeah it, it, it's a fun movie to watch as a group just because it's like kind of all over the place nice okay hey you guys that's a that's a wreck if i've ever heard well it's like a half wreck like go for it yeah. if that fits that, that your style all right well you still got to hit godzilla vs kong but you really don't but you but you do uh kind of at the same time i uh it's one of those yeah um i'm trying to think if there's anything else that we kind of like loose ends on your end uh just for like up being up at utah we got a lot of requests to interview different guys on the team after guys and girls after we uh kind of dropped that we might be doing one of those we haven't recorded anything yet but we're getting closer which is exciting yeah yeah hopefully uh we can rock one of those interviews um yeah maybe record it later this week that'd be exciting on my end uh doing well i know i mentioned a couple episodes ago i had like a a leg thing come up and i'm fully back into running now just doing mileage and and again like we talked about during the injury pause that it took a little longer than like the one day that yours was it was like a week of of no running and of just cross training um you know it, it made me think again about like hiccups happen uh especially when you're it's kind of an unfortunate just it's almost like twice as bad, right? Because you, you, you're injured for a long time and not only are you, you know, losing fitness in that regard, but you're also just less able to handle like hard training immediately when you come back. Like you don't have it on your legs, you know? That was actually something that, you know, has, has, has been probably the biggest issue in this comeback. Uh, you know, I had like what ended up being kind of an adductor thing uh, and just an adductor thing, but for a while there with the intensity of pain, we weren't sure if it was adductor or like, the actual leg itself and bone um but we ended up being able to get it rid of it with just like a lot of soft tissue treatment but yeah it's it's something where you know i i did the right thing this time i stopped uh 
I didn't feel it on a run and then I felt it a lot after a run and I stopped until I didn't feel it anymore. And I feel like that's a great way to, you know, sometimes you might have a coach who has a slightly different take on it, but I feel like that's just a really good basic way to try to handle injuries if you can. Um, stop until it, it doesn't hurt to like walk around and run. <laughs> and and then, no, I mean, yeah, it's funny, but that's kind of how it goes. And so, yeah, I, I was proud of myself. I feel like that's a step I typically run through and just all of a sudden I do have a femur injury or something because I'm running through it. And no, now I'm back out doing mileage again and uh, doing workouts later this week. So I was proud of that. I thought it should be an update uh, either way, but I was obviously more inclined because it ended up going in the right direction, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I don't I don't even know if there's much else to say on in that regard. It just it was just, you know, my adductors, uh, my knees, speaking of anatomy, this isn't an adv- this isn't an advantage. Tammy says it's uh, neutral. Like it's hey, there are great runners who have these issues. I guess my tibias are super like rotated. Like I don't know if over rotated, just they're rotated inward. So when I stand with my toes like completely straight, my knees bend in towards each other a little bit. Like I'm naturally, if I'm standing with my knees normal, my toes kind of point out a little bit. And so like single legged squats are really hard for me to have the same form that like most people would have with, with completely straight legs because my legs aren't straight. My femurs are straight, but just my tibias are rotated like a bunch. And that's just genetic. It's just, it's just how I be. Um, and it's not, again, like there are runners who do it, but what it does is when I get tired, my knees sometimes come in easier and uh, I need to make sure I keep that like knee window open so that, cause if my knees start coming in, I'm putting all this force on my inner legs, my adductors, and that's where they get super yeah. locked up. And that's how, it's kind of how it happens. So, you know, I think a big part of being injured, not necessarily knowing it to that detail, but you want to know why it happens. Uh, I think too often when I was younger, I, you know, if I had an injury, then I started feeling better. I'd be like, oh, sick. And I just go back to running <laughs> and it, it, there's definitely benefit. I'm sure, you know, it, you have calf things that maybe come up once or twice a season or, or, but like knowing why it happens can help you have it happen less, right? Like now I can go back into runs and it's not a foolproof plan, but it's like, hey, you know, keep my knees apart and make sure I'm driving with my glutes instead of like my inner legs. And I think I have a better chance of, of staying healthy in that plan. I think that's something that is just a little bit of extra mindfulness. And I think it could be really valuable. Like know why it happens and then you have some methods to try to beat it. Yeah. And so you kind of said this right at the end, but I, w- I was curious, what is what is kind of the fix? Is it glute strength, like lateral glute, keeping that knee kind of driven out rather than collapsing in? Um, like what is kind of the, the strengthening fix to kind of keep that from happening when you're fatigued? Yeah, I mean, that that's a good question. So glute strength is something I've worked on for a long time, but it's still not to the point that it probably needs to be for me. So I, I guess I can always do more there. And just because of my anatomy, this is going to be something that, you know, I have to I have to continue working through. We're going to do a... Uh, we're going to do my stride analysis again and kind of figure out making sure that it is adductor. And then from there, we're going to work on exercises. I think, you know, adductor strengthening exercises help because it will just naturally take more force than maybe, maybe on someone else's adductors just because of the way that my body is shaped. But yeah, glute strength is where it comes from. It also comes from, you know, you're going to be tired no matter what, but the end, like the week in which, you know, the week building up to basically when I kind of first got injured for this like little period here, was a really hard week and it ended with a hard long run for me um that I maybe wasn't quite prepared to go hit yet but you know like the whole team is doing it and it's exciting to be with those guys and feel like I can hang with them so you kind of put yourself in those situations I think the more running I can get on my legs the the higher likelihood I can avoid this kind of stuff 
happen. You know, if I'm coming from a place of a lot of weeks of training and a lot of strength, I'm going to naturally just be able to handle it better as well as the individual glute strength. It's going to be a lot of single leg squats, double leg squats, and clamshells, though. A lot of work in the knee areas. Oh, that's interesting, man. I I, I didn't know that. You know, that that's an issue that I've had as well. Um, I had a really cool running analysis done by uh, our PT, Colleen Little, at a, at this place called Pace in Portland, um, a really good PT location. Um, they work with a lot of the Nike athletes on, uh, the various teams that Nike sponsors. And, um, I had similar things in my right leg, my knee really collapses. So I've been doing clamshells daily for quite a while now. Um, just trying to get that glute to fire right and, and just like get all that activation stuff right as well. So yeah, um, Colleen started working with our team as our kind of exclusive PT, uh, maybe like three, four months ago. And she's just done a great job, you know, PTs are great at addressing sites of pain and, you know, things that are hurting, but she's really good at making any adjustments she makes stick by giving us all these exercises and um, activation drills. And she comes to core with us and makes sure that um, we have whatever we need to, to get like our respective form as optimized as possible. Um, so that's been great. She works really well with our, uh, our main strength coach, Pascal. Um, so they work well in tandem, but yeah, that, that piece of kind of understanding your body, um, for you, it might be your, your rotated tibias for me. I have really tight ankles. Um, I don't know if that's genetic or if I just like was lazy early on and opening up my ankles, Soccer but player, dude. that's something I always have to work on. Yeah. Scar tissue. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Man. No, but it, yeah, you're exactly right. It's good to know. And yeah, I'm going to definitely be doing more clamshells too. Um, yeah, I just, I think that, you know, also things aren't really problems when things are going well. Like, you know, I think I was talking to Tammy about this and Tammy is the Stanford PT. Grant, I think has worked with, I don't know if you worked with her or Marie when you would be going through injuries, but, and she, and she's great. She was talking about how like in elite swimming swimmers, I mean, maybe if there's elite swimmers out there that just tell me that this is incorrect, but you have very similar um, form, like in the pool, depending on what stroke you're doing, like there's an optimal way to do it. And I feel like with running, there's definitely an optimal form, but also even top tier runners kind of can have big variations to that ideal form. You know, everyone has certain key features, right? Everyone drives with their knees. Everyone's got good arm carriage, but especially towards the end of races, people kind of, you know, flail a little bit. There's definitely like, it's kind of going into what works for you and you, you try to work towards that optimal form, but you also recognize it's never going to be, it's never going to be there. So like, you know, my tibias or your ankles, it's not that's not an end of the world type problem. It's just, Hey, like this is something you got to be aware of and you can definitely run with and run through, um, most of the time. But yeah, those are kind of the exercises I'll, I'll be doing more of. Um, I've also, you know, I've had some Achilles and, and planner stuff. So I do a lot of calf raises, a lot of isometric holds. Nice. That's kind of, that's kind of eccentric holds and I'm not training isometric holds when I'm training. Um, that's kind of the big one there. That I do a lot of, and then maybe adding some like lunging too. Although I'm I'm pretty good at lunging, so I gotta do a lot. Josh, <laughs> our trainer, would have me do like 60 lunges per side in uh in bend one one year when I was working on like some Achilles and ankle stuff. I feel like so I've gotten decent. I've gotten decent at the lunge game. That that's the one thing. But yeah, that's probably enough on on that cycle. But I'm back out running, and and everything feels pretty good. I just gotta stay on top of it. So excited for that. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, I mean, always, no matter how long the, the setback is or the time off, like, the first few runs back pain-free, like, 
always just such like a grateful feeling. Like, you know, sometimes I feel like I take for granted the days where like, you know, everything feels good or, um, you know, those days just kind of blur together. And then if you're ever forced to take a little time, you know, you come back and you just have a easy 20 minute run pain free and it just feels so good, man. It, it makes you feel like really, really happy and just grateful to, to be back on your feet. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, and like, honestly, it's just quality of life too. Like when you're injured, like when this actor was really bugging me, it, it hurt to walk because it was so tight. And like, when you're sitting in your bed and you like need to go up and go pee and like, you know, it's going to hurt. You just like, <laughs> sit there. You just, no, I mean, truthfully, you just sit there for a while. You pee your like, pants. Oh, like, <laughs> and then you just pee your pants or you do what the baseball team is doing above us in the dorm and you pee out your window. Um, that's a, that's a real thing and it sucks. And, and we yell at them to stop, but I don't think that they hear us. Um, yeah, that's, that's the whole night. Yeah. So if, if any Stanford baseball players listening to this, please stop peeing out of the window on top of us. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, it just, it just sucks when you have to like, it just sucks when you have to like walk on something that, you know, hurts every step. Um, right. And, and you don't need crutches for or something. It's not that bad, but that you kind of have to deal with. It's tough to get out of that headspace. Like, oh, I'm injured. I'm injured. I'm injured. So yeah, I agree. It, it's kind of, that's something you just kind of have to get through. Like there's no easy solution to that, but coming out of the other side is always really liberating. So that's kind of like once the actor, once I got some soft tissue work and I started feeling better, I was like, Oh, this is sick. Um, also it's nice. Cause I, I maybe don't have the most <laughs> fitness, but I'm, I've gotten training in since January. So this wasn't as long as it could have been. And like the buildup now has been quicker to get back up to running mileage because I had it on my legs like a couple weeks ago. So it is easier to come out of these hiccups if you do them right. And you don't have to like restart this whole process, which is what I'm typically bad at avoiding but uh did it this time so so that's exciting yeah man i mean all that really matters is that you like are smarter the next time or this time and it sounds like you were so that's all you can ask progress it's the key to innovation or something <laughs> um all right well hey did you watch any track and field this weekend i did um yeah had a whew, quite a few meets um yeah. I mean, what, that, that Drake mile was Wednesday, uh, oh, and then, you know, some more Drake stuff on the weekend, some Eugene stuff on the weekend. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a great weekend to track. Cool to watch everybody. Yeah, I feel like it's, track is such a weird sport, because, like, obviously there's so many things that are happening at each meet that it's, um, it's definitely hard to do a recap pod. We're also not a recap pod. This is more of a, <laughs> as we said in the one, a long-form journal slash Stanford running fanboy pod um or stanford alums but yeah a lot of people running fast um i'm sure if you're listening to this you, you probably know that and have <laughs> have either seen the results of those meets or uh just following along depending on what you follow on social media but i was i was interested in watching that uh a lot of it was on nbc um i don't know who had like the collegiate part of the oregon meet i don't know if that was streaming on runner space or something but uh, i think that was runner space Okay, yeah. So there's like a lot of different networks doing a lot of different things. And I thought it'd be interesting as runners and also as fans. So maybe we kind of have two of the three sides of that like pie, the third being like broadcasters um, and people working in that space. Just just ways that the, the television production does a good job or television or streaming production does a good job, does a bad job and like things that maybe like little fixes or big fixes we think should be instituted to make that a better viewing experience 
when you're watching it. And some of them are infeasible. Like I'm going to say it, there shouldn't be commercials in the middle of distance races. That sucks. That <laughs> And runner space doesn't do that. But in order to fund that, you have to pay for runner space, um, which, you know, like the costs are, are what they are. I feel like free running is, although Kai, Kai said that every meet is free in Australia on like they're on YouTube or something, including their trials and stuff with, with no ad breaks. So I might move there. Uh, <laughs> see, seems like a nice setup, but yeah, most American meets, right. There's going to be some sort of like barrier to entry, whether it's commercials or, or paying for an account. But these are just little things that we thought maybe broadcast could improve. This is up to like the trials and Olympic level as well. It's not just, you know, online platforms. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, the tough balance, you know, everyone wants great coverage for free. Um, but that's not how the world works, you know, like uh, unless a very wealthy person decides to start funding track and field coverage, you know, there's the, the people providing the coverage have to make their money back. You know, it, it costs money to have all the cameras, all the streaming, um, all rights and stuff to these meets. So yeah, it, it's kind of an interesting trade-off. Um, you either need commercials to fund the meet, uh, or you just have to pay to even watch the meet. So it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, there, there have been some great free streams. Um, you know, sound running did a great job of that. The, those meets in Texas, uh, yeah, did a great so, job so of Sidious that. like did that and they had individuals fund like events or like sponsor events. So they didn't need to take breaks. And I only know that, well, I know that because it happened, but I know that because Pat Price, who's like a local running guy in Raleigh, uh, sponsored an event for like his, is like for his business and then also summer of miles which is a sir walter raleigh like you know portion or it's, it's part of like the sir walter raleigh mile uh thing that they do there also subsidize some of those events so like yeah you could do it that way as well but those are those are hard to come by like city has had to make a, a a real effort to get those sponsors kind of in the door in order to have it be mostly ad free it's a difficult thing to do yeah man i don't know what the solution is to to that like I mean, nobody likes commercials in the middle of, of, of an event. Um, like, there's no great time to throw them in there. Well, I would um, feel, I would feel like, it's confusing how, you know, I mean, you don't miss any play in like an NFL game with commercials, but you have commercials at a lot of breaks and there are natural breaks in between events. It's interesting you need to like fit commercials in like every X number of minutes um, in track and field, which it seems like you need to because you can't get through these like longer distance races without them. But, you know, you would never miss a second of like game time in the NBA or the NFL on any of these broadcasts. So I don't know if it's just disrespect, but it's definitely, <laughs> it, no, I mean, cause like, I guess it's tough though. Cause you make it up with the hundred being 10 seconds long and there's the build up to the hundred. There's like the going through each lane. There's the talking about each person, but still, I feel like you can make up some time if you do, if you just did commercials between every event that you showed. I, I, I don't know. I, I think I wouldn't have a problem with it. it the problem is where it, it is mid race. Um, that, that's, that's the like really only drawback of commercials that I see. Uh, if they were just in between every event, I wouldn't care. I'm not really watching the screen a lot of the time in between events or like after the interview, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, I do feel like for someone that maybe stumbles upon track on TV, which maybe there's not that many people that are out there like maybe most people that watch track are intentionally looking for a meet and watching it 
Mm-hmm. But I do think you could find a little more flow if you can show like a couple races in a row and then, you know, a bunch of commercials rather than event, commercial, event, commercial, back and forth. Um, also, for the like NFL reference, you know, you have commercials and stuff, but I would imagine the ad revenue from an NFL commercial is much higher than the ad for revenue sure. you get from a track commercial. So maybe they just need to squeeze in more. Uh, mm. more volume well they're not trying and... to make the same amount of money either though right that, that would that's just true be... <laughs> but no yeah i mean it's not the same it's not the same bang for your buck with a uh with a commercial at like a track and field meet so that makes sense that you might want to try to squeeze in more and that's a good point about building flow like in an ideal world there's just like not that many commercials at all but you know again that's where you get into paid services it's always it's always weird you know like being in college and being in the dorm with a bunch of people who have like a flow tracker runner space account and like watching all those meets, watching like, you know, a random heat of Oregon Relays this past weekend, the full thing all the way through, you know, and then you get to like the trials and you're watching that on TV and there's a break at like the, between a mile and a half and two miles of the 5k. And, and like this, especially in like high school when like my parents would watch my races on Flojack if I was traveling or something. Um, and they could watch the whole thing, you know, I mean, obviously they paid for it, but they could watch the whole thing with no breaks. And yet like the Olympic 5k typically has a commercial break during it um maybe not on the bbc feed isn't that like the hack but but on the american feed there's like a commercial in it and that's just it's just crazy when you get to the top end meets it becomes almost more like a normal sporting event would be portrayed and because of that you get these you get these commercial breaks that just aren't in the aren't in the other ones yeah i mean at least at least lately a lot of the broadcasts i've seen that it go on like main tv they at least do the split screen sometimes when they show the ad. So That's at least a like, huge improvement. Yeah, at least you can see what's going on, even if you have to like listen to the ad and like, you know, squint at the small little like picture of people running. But um, I, I mean, that's at least an improvement. Uh, I'll take that yeah. for sure. That's a good start. I think we should get into the specifics because I mean that that the commercial thing is just kind of a problem that's there. A lot of <laughs> a lot of my specifics though are, are centered around even like the broadcasters themselves because. I think, or, or just like the things that appear on the screen. I feel like there's, there's a whole lot of work that could be improved just within that little section. But obviously, the caveat being like, I don't really know how any of this works. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, I'm sure it's more complicated to 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 put this whole thing on and make sure you're saying the right things about the right people. But I do think there's little things that, like, as runners, might my thought process was would make would make things maybe more approachable for the average fan and also make them better for us. I feel like those are usually aligned um, pretty well. And then, so I, I can start with, with the first yeah, thing. Yeah, hit me with I the first one. Be, okay, the first thing. Okay, well, the first thing I thought of this weekend was completely from Kyle Merber's tweet, um, which I'm just going to steal, but shout out him. He's already in our intro, so he's already an integral part of the pod. But just, <laughs> and I this is such a pet peeve that I hadn't really put in the words, but like, Dude, when someone wins a heat or a race and the camera just starts showing that person like after they finish like at the line, like bent over, getting a cup of water and you don't cut back to the second and third place finishers or like or like just the next you there's like seven or eight seconds that are spent following the winner around and you're trying to look like in the background of those shots to see who finishes second and third. Um that's that sucks and and it needs to we need we need to figure out a way to do better i feel like what would be preferable and i know they have the technology because they do it in certain golf tournaments 
is you put like a little picture in picture. You could, if you really wanted to show the finisher, which is which is a cool thing to do, you um, you put like a little box in the corner where you, where you see their face, kind of like, oh, okay, like I just finished the race. But you keep the main thing on the finish line. It is so important, especially at trials. And I think they normally keep it there at trials. But in any meet, like the people coming in first through third are usually running either big PRs or hitting marks that are like important to their career. And I don't know. Um, yeah, it gets to a bigger point that I'll talk about in a second, but I do think that's one little thing. I don't know how you feel about that. That was directly from Kyle Merber. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. The picture-in-picture thing is a great idea. Um, like similar to the ad thing we were just talking about where if there's a commercial, you know, you have the picture-in-picture, you can still watch the race a little bit or um, like pay attention at least to know what's going on. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like it's interesting to see the expression of the person that won. Um, but it's also interesting to see like the rest of the race. Um, like, yeah, especially at trials, which I agree. I don't think they usually cut away at trials because those top three points are just, or those top yeah. three places are so important. Um, yeah. but I think, I think that's a great idea. Um, that, that actually just reminded me, or I, I just, an idea popped into my head. So, Go for um, to, to branch first. off of your like more graphics based uh, critique, what if, and tell me if this is a bad idea because I just came up with it. What if um, similar to NASCAR where sometimes NASCAR, there's a little arrow or like Formula One and then like a little box that tells you who someone is and it follows them around. Oh, like that, that same technology for running where, you know, especially you know, there's so many people sponsored by the same few companies like Nike, Adidas, yeah. Brooks, uh, whatever company that if you're all wearing the same uniform, sometimes it's hard to tell who everybody is. Like maybe for you and I, we can tell pretty easily because we watch so much of the sport. But for the average person, like it might be helpful if like there's a little arrow above Connor when he's racing and it says Connor Lane, Stanford, um, or like similar do you at the want, trials. Do you like, want arrows for every person in each event because that could get a little cluttered but because no, also I, I feel person. like i've seen i feel like i have seen this technology in a running race before but i forget where i feel like if they ever do like a future story and not at like some maybe this is like a, this might be just like just an nbc thing or just an espn thing when they cover it i feel like i've i've seen the little box on a person and then cut to like the person giving their little interview or, or, or a little feature on them but I, I, I agree with you because I don't think they use it. I've only barely seen it. I might be imagining it. So those those are two viable scenarios <laughs> here. And then the third thing being they don't use it in the context of just like, oh, there's this person and without cutting to like the backstory thing, which is a whole nother thing that I'm going to get into. Um, yeah. But I, I, I like the idea of using, you can't have those up all the time for every person though. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't say like always up, but um, similar to what you said about the feature story, like, if you're talking about a specific person in the race, which, you know, that often dominates what the commentators are speaking about, um, just a little little arrow, and like this is who we're talking about, um, so that so that you can follow them and maybe like know what's going on, or maybe with like a lap to go, it flashes up with like the top four people or something or the top three people. Um, yeah, it'd be a bit overload if they like had the little like marker there for every single person for the entire race but i feel like it'd be helpful just to know who's being talked about 
Um, yeah, because like that 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 that's a really good point that you made because it's something that like we take for granted when they're talking about Emma Coburn. Like, oh yeah, they're talking about Emma Coburn, but maybe like a casual fan of the sport wouldn't know which person they're talking about in a women's steeplechase yet. And you gotta like flash that a little bit just just to make it clear. I think that that's a that's yeah. a really just like briefly too and something that just like similar to NASCAR and Flowtrack did this at cross country, but I think you could do it in track. It'd be way easier too. I don't know why it's not a thing is having, you know, like look at the Kentucky Derby. They have like every, you know, if it's, what is it like a lap and a quarter of a race, every like quarter mile, they have, you know, like the top five people. I don't think they have arrows, but it would be really easy to put like who's rising and who's moving within like the last 400 meters, like a plus, you know, like you, I think Flowtrack did this, um, Maybe it was just team scores, but it could have also been... I mean, every live results app that you ever look at has individual placement gain and loss based on each split. You know, it's like, oh, plus 20 from this 2K to 4K, or like minus 20, which is not a good feeling, from like 4K to 6K. I feel like if you could get those... And you have those in real time, like as soon as a split reads, if you could get those like per lap on the track or in cross-country races and make... But especially on the track when there's only like one heat of people to follow... And, and you could kind of like, it'd be an easier way to tell the story of a race too. Like, oh, this person has gained four spots going into the bell lap. Like you see them moving through the field, you know, it can, it can help. And that's more manageable. You know, I think with your idea, something, again, I don't know much about, but I know it's hard is like, if you don't have it pre-programmed that we're going to, we're going to tell this, I think the reason that they don't use this more freely, if you don't have it pre-programmed, you're going to tell this like, and just, again, as an example, like this Emma Coburn backstory on like how she made the Olympic team this year in the steeple. Um, it's probably hard for the graphics people to like get those boxes on those people, like anticipating what you're going to talk about. And if you're going to talk about it for long enough, I'm sure it is possible. Um, but I, I do, like, it is kind of a, once the thing starts, like there's no breaks where you can really kind of reset and, and talk about strategy probably on the producing end. So that, that is, it's not undoable, but that, that might be an issue why we don't see it already. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also that takes funding. Like it takes more money to like have another person there probably like, doing that. Um, and like, yeah, it's, it's gotta be challenging. So let's talk about it moving forward with all of these from a perspective of funding being not irrelevant, but like, Hey, we've got enough money <laughs> to fund some of this stuff. Cause otherwise yeah, yeah. you could, you could look at almost all of these and be like, Hey, this, this sucks, but funding is just not going to cover it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that, that's like the big fix for the sport. Get some get some funding in there. That's what this podcast is all about. Just, <laughs> you know, just getting in tons and tons of new <laughs> new track fans, man. Nah, no, nah, not, not, not quite, but... Um, yeah, that, let's roll on. What's, what's your next idea? Yeah, well, so, so the thing with the first one and something that I was thinking about, I was trying to think, like, why don't they show the finish line? um through the distance event and what i realized is like i think and sprinters might disagree with me on this but i think a lot of like the ways that they show track races is as if every race is the 100 meters N not maybe not like what they favor i i and i also like i know like there are probably field events right now that are like are you kidding me like we get no love like distance shouldn't even be complaining about the amount of coverage <laughs> they get. it's not even amount of coverage it's just the way like in a sprint race you don't need to keep showing the finish line you know, you can immediately cut away. Here's the winner. Here's the guy who won. Look at them celebrate. And, it, and, it, and also, like, the other thing about sprint races is those little boxes that, and this is my second idea to fix, those little boxes that appear at the start line of the race that's, like, world record, meet record, like, are typically relevant because if you're going to win this big meet that's on TV, 
you're going to be within, I don't know, like three tenths, four tenths of the world record, probably. Like you're going to be sub 10 and 100, most likely, if you're if you're a guy winning like trials or, you know, as long as the weather's cooperating, if you're winning trials or a diamond league meet or a big meet. Right. So I think, I mean, I think that like the world record box can be there, but we've got to stop contextualizing every distance race on every broadcast. Like this, and flow track and runner space doesn't do this unless it's like a targeted world record attempt because they know. Um, or, an, or a national record attempt. But the main ones always have that world record box in the corner when it's like the trials. And it's like, guys, they're not going to be running the world record in the 5K in this one. Um, and I feel like as a, it's good for a casual fan perhaps to know the world record. And I get having the box there briefly, but I would never focus on it. And sometimes, I and even in like NCAA meets, they'll have like the collegiate record. And sometimes the, the record is not the priority. And when it's a sprint race, Right, the record and the win is always very intertwined. But oftentimes in a distance race, there's a ton of excitement that is surrounding, that has nothing to do with like record pace, right? It can be about how tactical something was and how it ratchets down quickly or, or, or like the weirdness of how a race is run. It doesn't have to be, oh, this is from the gun world. Honestly, those are, those are really exciting to watch because people get in like the hurt zone, but they're kind of boring to watch tactically because you're usually just sitting behind a bunch of different rabbits. So I think we've got to, somehow shift a little bit away from framing every race in the context of like a world record or a uh, collegiate record and and try to anticipate it stop trying to tell that story before the race even starts because usually it's it's not even relevant to what actually happens <laughs> and and it, and it really like if you're if you're watching this you're like oh well the world record's like 12 37 so these guys breaking 13 is like just garbage <laughs> or like oh like that's just like okay cool like why do i care and I get like having it pop up, but prioritizing it or being like, this is the world record, I don't think does a lot of good in most situations. I don't know how you feel about that or if you've even noticed. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have conflicting opinions on that. Like part of me feels that it's not that big of a deal to flash the world record or whatever. Like it's kind of cool for people to see like how fast people can run in this event. Um, but I also see your point. Like it does probably take away from the performance um i know a lot of casual people that i know that have you know maybe encountered track kind of think like why don't you just run as fast as you can every single race um yeah and you know maybe don't understand like the tactical nature of a lot of events um, which is fine like that's a nuanced part of track and field so yeah i don't know well it's not even just having the box there it's it's so this is not every time either like this is a generalization but sometimes you get like they'll go through 400 and like 66 and it's like oh this is not world record pace and it's like yeah <laughs> or like oh like and so they're going to be way off it's like just because the race is slow i feel like those are actually more exciting to watch most of the time or not even like slow but just you know races that have room to kind of grow into like a faster finish like those are the freaking exciting ones that you you know i mean honest races are sick to watch too but in terms of getting that like competition, you know, who's going to make the decisive move, like that stuff comes from races that are usually tactically not from the gun. So I just think sometimes we look at it or broad, it's broadcasted as, oh, okay, well, this is out pretty slow, guys. Um, so yeah, world record is not going to happen. And it's like, what are we, and maybe I'm just picking a straw man <laughs> argument, but whenever I hear that type of stuff, I'm always like, it doesn't mean it's not going to be a really exciting race. You know, it's not, that's not why those athletes are in the field, I guess. And it's not why I turned it on. What if, what if like, cause I think, I think putting context to a lot of these races is a good thing. What if like, you know, a lot of the, the narrative, especially in the past year or so has been getting the Olympic standard. The standards are really, really hard. 
And I think a lot of races have been set up with people whose goal is to get the standard. What if kind of similar to swimming to, to pull another thing from a, from another sport, swimming often has that world record line that kind of goes along in the pool. Mm -hmm. Like instead, instead of that, not the world record line, but maybe like an Olympic standard line. Yeah, that'd be cool. Just so you can provide some context, like, you know, there are some races where people, maybe people are running a 5k and the standard for women, I think is 1510. And maybe having that line would provide context to maybe like the person finishing fifth in the race that is sprinting as hard as they can and celebrate across the line because they run 1509. Your average fan might be like, why is that person celebrating? They just got fifth. But, you know, the overall context is that, hey, they just got the standard, which is really hard to get. um, And that brings them a step closer to potentially making a team. Like, I, I feel like that would be another cool thing. I, again, probably very hard to do. <laughs> you know, I don't with, know. I mean, track, not to but... put a line on. I just, I feel like, but I feel like it's just a little bit, not, and not saying that people in the, in, like, in the broadcasting of these races aren't doing this, but it's just like, yeah, I mean, that's very, like that, the, the, the steeplechase at, at Oregon this past weekend, um, the pro one with like Isaac Updike, like running like 817 and Mason Furlick running 818, they got like Olympic standards out of that. And, that's a big deal but yeah if you have a line it, like it's not rocket science to put that line in and it just takes a little bit of understanding that hey we're coming in here to broadcast this meet and like the main goal of a lot of these competitors is to hit olympic standards in their events typically especially when like prize money is like less than what it was in des moines or whatever i don't even know if they're i don't know anything about the prize money in Oregon. so yeah i feel like that would just that would be a logical step to do and i mean so far pretty much all the criticism has been like the NBC style of productions, right? The ones that are on like network television, because I do think flow check and runner space, like they might not put a line in, but they certainly make you, they are certainly at least aware of like the standards, you know, cause they show a lot of heats of stuff. Oh, this is getting closer to, to this standard or, or, or the Olympic standard or, or whichever one. So, but yeah, I agree. I think the line, I think something just to let people know. And I don't know, going along with that, like, cause in addition to what I said earlier about, showing the person who wins for too long like stop i think this is stopping the clock when the winner crosses the line in a distance race is also a dumb thing i think comes from like showing the hundred as like the primary event because in the hundred you literally can't see like if you don't stop the clock it'll just say 12 seconds by the time you notice it and then everyone's way past the line doesn't you want to stop it at nine seven whatever there's no reason to do that in a distance race and i i mean i'm not usually thinking about it but like when I'm watching a friend run a PR or something and I can't, I have to guess the time because the stop, the clock, like in the actual, like on the inside of the track stops when the winner crosses the line. Like that is so annoying. And that's something that does not need to be there. Um, <laughs> people who are in the final straight kicking to, to come in second or third in the heat should, should know like what their time is when they cross the line instead of being like, Oh, I know it's fast. Cause this person ran, you know what? I, it, yeah, I think just a couple extra seconds on the scoreboards. I guess you know on a broadcast, the time's on the bottom right and it's 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 ticking normally, but they don't show us the people finishing. So there there there's yeah. cons all over the board on that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of my ideas have been like graphics based, um, but I do think that's like, I mean that's the medium that people like literally watch track and field. Like mm-hmm. the main things are the sound and the visuals, um, and like. Yeah, I mean, I've seen tons of races where they the first place guy crosses the line and the clock stops, 
but a, a secondary clock pops up below it or above it that has the running time. Um, so maybe you see that the winner ran um, whatever, 9.8 in the 100. I guess the 100 is a bad example. You, you see that the winner... Yeah, you see that the winner ran 12.55, um, and that kind of holds on, on the screen, but then there's also a secondary clock that pops up that runs straight through um, see, to see, like, maybe someone broke 13. Um, yeah, you know, that's a big a accomplishment, deal. a big barrier um, that you kind of have to estimate, like you said. Um, well, a lot of the time that clock takes a second to get going. Like, watching that the Mushroom race that you sent me, like that clock in the in the graphic took a second to get going, and the, you can see the clock at the finish line of the actual race, and it also stops at like what the winner ran like twelve fifty four or whatever, um, and you just and you know that like oh this person in second broke thirteen, but you don't know like what they ran because it's just somewhere in that region, and it just seems like a little thing that shouldn't. It's just like second place matters a lot in track, just in any race, like in a trials race, in a time trial race, in the Olympics. They still get medals for that, and 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 it should you should know like the time that they're running when they come through. That's just a little thing, but I, I guess yeah, they definitely do pull up a graphic. But if it's close, it sometimes yeah. yeah sometimes there's just a little bit of a lag there. Yeah, I I also really like when lap splits splits pop up. Um, if they give oh lap like, splits on graphics are lap yeah. splits are great. Um, I really like it when broadcasts do that. Yeah, I mean overall I feel like broadcasts are good. I just I just think like some small graphical changes could, like make it easier to digest like like kind of like i said before a lot of people that just kind of stumble into track just think you know why don't you just run as fast as you can every single time i feel like some of those things could introduce like and give more context and understanding of of the nuances because that's what's cool about the sport like it's it's the nuances like i don't know i mean watching a race where everyone runs as hard as they can from the gun is very interesting as well but tactical races are, are super cool too. Like when I watch niche sports that pop up on TV, like I kind of want to know the nuances. Like you want to be dropped I, in. Yeah. You want to be dropped in and like not talk to like your five for sure. Like you, yeah. you want to have to kind of understand it. Yeah. If, if I stumble upon like a table tennis feed, I'd, I'd much rather hear about like the different paddles that people are using and the different curves and the different shots and the different stories. God, what a metaphor. People then all the way like, with it yeah i'd much rather hear about that than like i don't know what the equivalent would be in track maybe like uh, why like, don't you just hit it as hard as you can every time yeah or, or just just not even really talking about the moves at all that's yeah, like you want to get people in the booth um and again like flow track and runner space commentary is almost always like i mean i think nbc sports has x runners in there too but the flow track and runner space ones are more plugged in i feel like to the present moment rather than being like part of the like a lot of them are like just x runners are like 24 7 doing this um i and i feel like they can also you know similar to what you keep saying about how people don't even realize that there's tactics um getting announcers in the booth who can not that like i don't i can't think of like a, a an announcer who doesn't do this like particularly but um who highlight oh this person's making a move like to the outside with 400 like, not just the obvious things but also the little things you don't pick up um and th that goes into my last point but if you want to wrap that up at all i had i had no, one more no, big no thing. go for it so like pretty much every athlete in all these races is part of a group or they're part of a, of a college team or, or another type of team um and this takes a lot more effort but like you said how everyone's wearing similar uniforms first i mean teams should 
try to diversify that as much as they can. But also, um, talking about races and runners in context of their team and group, I feel like is a big, easy way to build publicity for the sport, right? Like, oh, go follow like that group, go, go buy like that product, right? Um, if the broadcast could talk about like, oh, like, you know, on running is having this big weekend uh, as like Ollie Hoare is also going to go win this 1500 in addition to like things they did at Drake. That's like, that means more, you know, we don't have, there's no like team sport element of track and field broadcasts. Um, even if everyone's like a Nike or an Adidas or a Puma or an on or, or, or whatever group. And um, like it takes a little extra digging. Um, and obviously again, flow track and runner space know these things, but there's just, you know, when, when the primetime events are on actual like television, I feel like too often it's, it's, it's diluted down into like, oh, this person trains with these people, but it's not so much like this is the on running group and, and they're, they're racing and there are these Bowerman guys and they're racing and, and every, like, there's like a team element of it that is deeper than just training partners, kind of, um, even if like you guys aren't trying to win as a, as a team, it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like there, there's a lot there that we don't hear about on those broadcasts at all about like you know you hear about like after someone wins the race oh and he's teammates with the guy who came in second that's crazy but you don't hear about it during and and you don't you don't really hear people discussing like that background that much uh, i think it's just an easy way to like you know companies want to sponsor athletes because they sell product for the company and an easy way to do that is to talk about that company when that person's in the race um it just it just seems like an easier way to build marketability uh all over the board and help the sport just a little yeah, change i guess that's a good idea um i mean commentary is hard like uh, i won't pretend like yeah these critiques are easy to implement all the time like it's hard to know what to talk about during a race and cover everything and not make any mistakes but that is a good idea talking about the team aspect like for example uh, maybe like i don't know eight eight ten years ago now um, when like the Oregon project was kind of in its height, um, and Bowerman was kind of in its infancy, you know, now that I'm on the team, I realized that, you know, there was some bad blood, like those guys didn't like each other. I mean, that, that would be a cool element to, to hear played up by announcers. Um, yeah. you know, just, just little rival rivalries between this, like different groups. Yeah. I know announcing is really tough. I, I really enjoy, I don't know why, but I, I do enjoy like some of the Aussie, uh, like broadcasts that come up because, <laughs> they are they are free to watch and the commentary is always so ex like interesting um i feel like those guys just use all different phrases that i've never heard before and they just make it exciting and are a bit more like raw in their commentary if that makes sense um oh, yeah. whereas i feel like the sometimes the u.s-based announcers like are a little stiff a little like matter of fact in what they say and sometimes you get like some cool cool announcing like like in australia there was a cool uh i think it was the olympic trials 1500 uh maybe a week ago where oh, yeah, yeah. jai edwards won um and beat stewie mcswain they ran super fast um it was a super exciting race and the announcers were like super into it um giving context to what was going on and it was great and maybe that's just partiality to people with accents or something but i, I enjoyed it a lot well that brings up this isn't even the last thing but this is kind of like the backbone of i think that we do races that are like I think that we do graphics that are designed for sprint races. I think that we have an issue when you say stiff. I think that the track and field broadcasts that are like on NBC or on ESPN, like a lot of them are 
marketed at this casual fan that at this casual fan that flips on the TV channel and, and, and finds the broadcast and is like, oh, okay, I'll stick on this, right? I feel like that's where you get a lot of the stiffness, like this hesitancy to change up how you do things in a major way. You know, maybe to get announcers in the booth who are who are who are more fanboys um, of the sport or, or, or willing to dive deeper in because you don't want to lose that casual fan. But I think and this goes for a lot of niche sports, and I could just be wrong about this, but I've I've read a lot about it. I, I feel like fundamentally you should cater to your niche fan and like you said you know when you turn on a random sport you want to know a little bit about the intricacies of it like you're going to watch the sport you're going to see them like curling and you're going to kind of understand okay they're they're curling in this one like we're rolling (laughs) rocks down an ice sheet (laughs) but like and if they're talking about some intricacy of it like you might it might go over your head but you're still kind of like watching cuz there are like stones on ice I guess going on you know or whatever or table tennis or any like I don't think you're going to lose a lot of people by like diving deeper into what's going on and at the same time you're going to create a better product for the people who are the most loyal right the most likely to buy like NBC Gold or ESPN Plus or Flow Track or Runner Space and, and, and the people who are most likely to buy shoes and, and off of like what they see at a, at a meet, you know, like, and that's kind of the market behind like pro track and field. So I don't know. I feel like we should try to be a little bit less stiff and, and, and not worry so much about the casual fan and think like, cause I just, I just don't know how many like casual fans we're bringing in unless they stumble upon it. You know, I don't think any, it's just, it's just, Right now, it's not where the sport's at. Hopefully, it is out there one day because I think there's a lot to appreciate about track and field. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's kind of the overwhelming take. Like you should you should try to cater it towards us or towards towards the more serious fan because we can uh, like we're gonna watch and and we're gonna like it a lot better. And I think casual fans would still tune in. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you there, hundred <laughs> percent. Hey, well, I know I know it's getting a little late. I don't you know we've already been running for a little bit. I feel like. I feel like this might be the week that we uh that I don't want to promise too much. We're gonna we're gonna get this out tomorrow on Tuesday. I don't want to promise too much, but I think we'll at least record an app with our first ever guest by the end of this week. I don't know. I are, do you think we'll be able to hit that at some point? It's kind I of one. It's kind of one. You're never gonna. Hey, we might <laughs> try to get it done. It's 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 a little nerve wracking. Uh, it's kind of like going on a first date. Don't don't really know what to expect. But um, yeah, for everyone who has. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to wrap up on, on, on the broadcast. No. Nah, but I appreciate nah, you indulging me in doing this segment because I've had a lot of conversations <laughs> about it with like Josh Schumacher and like guys over here who are more interested in it and uh, just wanted, wanted, to, wanted to talk about some of it. But yeah, great racing and track and field uh, this weekend. Great weekend of it. Uh, it was really exciting to watch despite maybe a couple of things that could be better in broadcasting. But as for the giveaway, uh, thank you to everyone who has already dm'd us or emailed us proof of your subscription and um following us on instagram and to the people who also gave us five stars in their review like thank you a ton uh you all are already entered in this we are going to post formally about it before the second episode drops so that everyone who subscribed to it gets it in their you know little podcast bay immediately when it does drop i think that's going to be kind of the plan from here on in and then I think sometime after this week, maybe like this weekend or early next week, we will go through uh, everyone who sent us one and randomize it and select a winner for some Nike slash Bowerman slash Nike Elite website merch uh, that 
<laughs> it's is yet to be ironed out, but we are we are going to do. So uh yeah, did I miss most people, with that, or does that sound right? Most people have requested shoes, I think, um, for That's the giveaway. True. Um, if you'd rather have something else, just let us know. Um, also, if you're picked to win the giveaway, we'll probably just ask you then too, just kind of what you want. Probably will. Um, yeah. uh, although it might be helpful just to like have an actual physical thing that, you know, you're entering towards, but we'll, we'll, That's we'll true. iron that out before the Instagram post. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, thanks for all the support guys. Like really do appreciate it. Um, we've had a lot of people DM us and gotten some great feedback um, lots of great ideas for future podcasts. Um, I know I've had a ton of people ask me about shoe recommendations for different race distances. Um, yeah. happy to dive deeper into that. Um, gotten a lot of stuff about recruiting from high school to college, what that process is like questions on the transition from high school to college, uh, transition from college to pro, um, happy to dive more into that in, in future pods too. So keep, keep the recommendations coming. Um, Love to hear what you guys want us to talk about. Um, yeah. We've also had some great race recommendations to drive into. Um, so that that is also we're gonna uh, we're gonna do one of Grant's content. next. We're gonna do one of Grant's <laughs> next. I'm I'm saying it. Well, we might do the another Commonwealth Games one that you sent me today, but we are gonna do one of Grant's. I've gotten so many texts and DMs about doing the uh, jun- your junior year of Foot Locker. And I'm saying it on the pod now so that it happens in the future. <laughs> but but we've gotten a lot of a lot of a lot of texts about that one. So uh, I think that we're going to be diving into it soon. I know that you are always apprehensive to maybe analyze your own work, right? As maybe anyone would be. <laughs> so I might be taking more of the reins on it. But you'll be able to provide some pretty pretty incisive color commentary, considering you were, you know, running and winning those races. So. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll definitely hit that. So, yeah, because everyone's been like, you guys got to analyze one of, one of Grant's races. Like, oh, we're getting there. We, we will be doing it. Um, this is a, like, pre-trials boost. We're going to take you through, like, a, like a, like a road of, of, of your favorite, of your, of your best, biggest wins starting with high school. Maybe just staying yeah, in high school. Who's to say? My glory days, high school. <laughs> Peaked in high school. Yeah, you know, man. No shame. <laughs> of course uh there's not that much else i know it's late um almost 10 so if that's if that's all we got that's all we got we're still over an hour um thanks for bearing with me again i that's just the nitty-gritty of like the broadcast stuff just as i watch it a ton are, are just little things that you start to notice and you're like oh my god i want to make this just like five percent better um but yeah. obviously I, th- I do think that all these companies whether it's online streaming or on nbc they do they do a very good job you know and I doubt that the broadcasters or people putting on these events have a lot of control over like the commercial breaks, you know? So I think it's different people for each kind of little thing that might be improved. Um, but yeah, let us know if you, if you like this kind of business side of it more, I don't know if people will truthfully, but, uh, I have fun talking about it. Uh, is that, is there anything else I'm forgetting giveaway this week? Uh, or like we'll do the Instagram post and then we might have a special guest by the end of this week. So stay tuned. Yeah, yeah, that's all I got. I, I hope we didn't come off too complainy with all of our suggestions, but just ideas. They're I mean, suggestions. We're, we're, they're, hey, suggestions. They're, take them or leave them. <laughs> they're not, they're not, you know, it's like, hey, we want this to, we're just trying to make you better. That's all. We're just trying to make yeah, them j- better. J- just the suggestion jar. Yeah, exactly. They didn't ask for a suggestion. They didn't put out a suggestion <laughs> box, but we put one out and we labeled it. And now we're putting in our, our little papers anonymously, except it's us. Yeah. All right. Well, we got see. We got to get the broadcast right for your, for the trials in, in a little bit here because you're going to be in them, and uh, 
We want that True. to be crisp. We want that to be clean. We want <laughs> we want them to show all the other people in the race after you cross the line still. Oh, that, that's it. <laughs> that, that's what we're hoping for. All right. Well, uh, on that note, everyone, I hope that you, ha- you have a good rest of your week, uh, listeners out there. Thanks again for all the support, and we will see you guys next time, perhaps sooner than you think. Yeah, see you guys. Thank you.